Hello everyone, welcome to Word with Dr. Michael David Clay. So much of what we believe affects the outcome to the extent of who we are, our identity, really does result from childhood experiences. And with that, that it would be then the entire family constellation, more immediate as well as extended family. Immediate family would be who is the parental figure, figures, uh, if there's multiple, hopefully, the more, the more likely the increased resource that represents. Not always the case, but in an ideal way. Uh, how many kids are in the family? Birth order is still considered to be an important factor, determinant in one's perception. Alfred Adler was the first theorist who recognized that in a universal sort of dimension or way that we could apply it uh, to all families, all kids, all individuals, uh, and is, it is still recognizably so as uh, one of the most valid sentinel possible, possibly uh, theories of psychological, psychosocial development that's out there. Uh, it's still a reference point for most of the work that is done with individuals as well as families and the idea of family constellation, how all the different parts work together. And for sure, there would be then representative within that, not only resource, but could be, as then might come back to pathology or sickness, a lot of dysfunction and disorder. And as one family member experiences psychiatric or behavioral health concerns, conditions, the other family members have to compensate. And then getting back to childhood and identity, formation of self, identity, and uh, then extend that into adulthood as it affects not only one's perception of themselves, but their primary relationships with others, you could easily see if there's much disorder, even if it's not that individual. Maybe they carry the moniker of not only identified patient, or as a moniker, identified patient, but a well patient, a well person in the family that still carries a certain degree of burden that has to be addressed. And then how that shapes their attitudes toward people who are in need in a general sort of way. But maybe more specifically those who have emotional needs, which once more we can't separate ourselves. It's a pretty universal application when it comes to emotions and emotional needs, attachment, security, confidence in oneself that comes from being secure enough to know our needs are not only going to be met physically, but emotionally, how much we're loved. Uh, all of that factors into wellness in general, uh, whether it would be in the moment of reference when it comes to childhood, adolescence, but it extends into adulthood and who we pick as friends and how we find ourselves in terms of community. Psychology Today, November, December 2023, under the parenting section, subtitled Siblings, 
the well sibling, how children are affected when their sibling experiences psychoses by Tanya Frank, who is the author of Zigzag Boy, a memoir of madness and motherhood. I watched them wrestle on the beach like puppies, my two handsome sons beneath the towering cliffs of Monterey in California, their long surfboards propped nearby in the sand. They are just two school grades apart, only they were not at school anymore. Ages 27 and 25, they were tall men. I was grateful for such carefree moments. They'd been raised since they had been rare since our family was confronted with psychoses. A cumbersome label of schizoaffective disorder was given to Zach, the younger of the two, six years ago. We have been navigating the fallout ever since. Dale, my firstborn, tapped out on Zach's arm, signaling that the fight was over. Zach helped Dale to his feet, swept the sand from his brother's back, and they bumped their fists together, laughing. I swallowed back tears. I was not sad so much as humbled, thankful that they had each other. I wondered if life might have been like this, simplicity and pleasure for the rest of time, if Zach hadn't broken from reality. If his experience hadn't demanded that I drop everything and everyone, including friends, my wife, and even Dale, to try to help Zach to find his footing. In time, I realized that the bond between my sons would affect them both, affect us all in terms of our journey through Zach's diagnosis. A UK study published in Early Intervention in Psychology revealed that the quality of the sibling relationship, especially during adolescence, is a predictive factor in the sibling's future involvement in caring for individuals with schizophrenia. Furthermore, a positive sibling relationship is associated with a higher quality of life in adults with a diagnosis of schizophrenia. As grateful as I am for research such as this, I'm also painfully aware that in witnessing his brother's altered states, my eldest son endured his own trauma. In her book, Troubled Journey, Coming to Terms with the Mental Illness of a Sibling or Parent, Psychologist Diane Marsh maintained that as hard as parents may try to meet the needs of their well children, time and energy is simply finite. Siblings often feel like the forgotten family members. Everyone's else's, everyone else's problems are more important than theirs. Marsh recognized that the well sibling, as she calls them, in families where one child suffers with their mental health have a fear that they might also experience psychoses and a sense of survivor's guilt if they don't. Well, siblings also have a much higher likelihood of suffering post-traumatic stress because of what they've witnessed. I have even seen firsthand evidence of this in my elder son. The way he enters fight or flight so readily, his adrenal response heightened from the years of fear we share as a family. I apologized to him recently about how he was eclipsed by Zach's psychoses. How I was too preoccupied with trying to fix everything to see it. I asked him how he felt about the future. I'm painfully aware I won't be able to replace you, he said. I can't be everything to Zach. It would be too much of a strain on my own mental health. 
His response, polite and reflective, chimes with a study published in Psychiatric Services whereby the greatest source of stress for 612 siblings, which is 82%, was concern about who will take care of the vulnerable sibling when parents no longer can. During the early phase of Zach's diagnosis, it was Dale who listened to Zach's fears that his friends were members of the Russian mafia out to harm him. And it was Dale who drove Zach home after a party one night, unable to stop for gas for anything at all in case these friends caught up to Dale's car. In the days that followed, the revolving door of Zach's hospitalizations made me myopic. I believe that Dale was fine. I turned to him for help looked to him to tell me where Zach was, who he was with, if he was smoking dope, or had experienced suicidal ideation. Upon reflection, I recognized that the pressure must have been intense. At a family mental health course I attended in the early months after Zach's diagnosis, I met Rita, an occupational therapist who didn't want to involve her other children before their help was truly needed. She carried the burden of care alone despite her well son having a psychology degree and working in mental health. Jay Sang, on the other hand, a mother from Korea, had a daughter with a diagnosis of schizophrenia who relied enormously on her little sister for emotional support. And Jay Sang couldn't have imagined it any other way. Her younger daughter was a rock. Whether we feel able to depend upon our vulnerable child siblings now or hope that they will take up the mantle after death, the reality is complex. A lack of safe, affordable housing for those with mental health challenges, the archaic and bureaucratic mental health system, and the burden of family members in this era of failed community care are grave concerns. For many who will be left with the legacy of caring for their siblings, there is no specific training or education on how to deal with crises. Family programs and support groups are made up almost entirely of parents or spouses. Yet the family member who is going to have the longest relationship of anyone with the person with psychoses is the sibling. Life challenges faced by siblings of individuals with schizophrenia may increase the risk for depressive symptoms, according to a 2016 study published in Mental Health in Family Medicine. Some of these risk factors have been assessed over the years with studies looking at birth order, issues that we know are environmental and social rather than genetic, but still may play a role. Another aspect examined was age difference. One study found that the smaller the gap, the more the well sibling is likely to be affected by the experience. But again, this is thought to be due to environmental factors and not genetics. Despite more attention being given to the subject, siblings as a demographic need more help, more safety nets and support groups. This was proven to us when four years ago we made the move back home to the UK. It was here during the height of the pandemic that I found a nonprofit therapeutic organization that helps families to explore ways of reimagining the current mental health paradigm. The compassionate framework has sibling groups that are facilitated by trained psychotherapists. I hope that there will come a time when Dale feels willing to enter such an arena. 
to meet other siblings who have trodden the same road. The very individuals who, like him, will become the next generation of activists or advocates for their brothers or sisters who have lived experience of voice hearing and altered states. These days, when Dale and Zach are together, I watch them with a joy tinged with sorrow. I picture a day in the future without me in the frame. My hope, of course, is that society will become kinder with adequate provision for those who are vulnerable, that Zach will heal and become more independent, that he and his brother will have the life I dream for them both. But I am acutely aware Dale might one day be the only person Zach will have to turn to for help. For now, I do everything I can to make sure Dale will not have to take on more than he can manage. I want him to be free to fall in love, to travel, and to live independently, to be Zach's big brother, his wrestling partner, and his fellow surfer at the beach. Again, Psychology Today, November, December 2023, under the parenting subtitled Sibling Section. Article, The Well Sibling, How Children Are Affected When Their Sibling Experiences Psychoses by Tanya Frank. Schizoaffective disorder is quite possibly one of the more difficult disorders to treat. Psychoses is a break with reality where there is not only hallucinations but also delusional thinking and with that paranoia. And as much the article captured that, then Zach would have been, in terms of the psychoses, uh, paranoid, hallucinatory, and Dale would have been then his primary support at the age they were at when these symptoms first appeared. And then even so, as the author projects that into the future, what impact that's had on Dale's life. And will he ever be able to have a life where the reference isn't Zach or the requirement to forfeit his own development, key aspects of his own development, psychologically, emotionally, for his brother? Now, whether that is a fair proposition or not probably doesn't matter. It is a reality. And as much as that should be or could be a shared responsibility that we must do a better job at, not only should, but must do a better job at as a society, as a community, it still, though, makes it almost impossible when you think of it in a nuclear sort of way to, once again, family notions of family constellation Normal, even in that Adlerian, Alfred Adler, individual psychotherapy or psychology sort of frame of reference, birth order sort of reference. By the way, that's where the notion of inferiority complex comes from because the one that has come first always impacts the latter or as much then there would be an absence of sentinel and key resource as with parents or parenting or as with this article, the author captures it, there is very limited energy when you have such the demand or the need as with schizoaffective child and the mom being unable to devote the attention she would have normally given to her other son 
it doesn't have to mean that there is psychosis necessarily in the family or psychoaffective disorder diagnosis or that this is specific just to that condition. But any family constellation where there is a lack of wellness or you get to the idea or the notion of rather than identifying the identified patient or the sickness, you call it the well child in contrast. All of this likely applies when it comes to the responsibilities, when it comes to the impact. And therein, as this author concluded or finished the article, her hope is is that one day Dale would take advantage of the opportunity to sit down with someone who would be able to or as a psychological counselor, psychotherapist, would be in the best position to assist him in working through and processing the effect. But it's very difficult to argue that by the time he might make the choice or even by the time the article was written, as Dale would have been 27, most of who he is, identity-wise, has already been formed. Once again, returning to that notion of fairness, is it fair? Likely not in an ideal way. Is it fair in a more realistic life circumstance sort of way? I think probably all of us could identify with at least someone in our immediate family that was suffering some illness, circumstance, malady, accident, injury even, that required a lot of effort or attention and someone leaves that circumstance by consequence of so much attention being devoted to a singular. The others are at risk and particularly if they are in early stages of their own life or life development or sense of self or identity All those things that we see as as so important to navigating the difficulties, the stressors of life, the challenges and demands of a more normal even life, if we could call it that, then we're going to say that they're going to leave that circumstance at a deficit. And thinking about that in terms of remediation or correction or seeking psychological counseling or psychological help, maybe not so much after the fact, but even while you're going through it. All of that seems the right thing to do, seems to be helpful. But I don't know that you can ever really make up for what is lost in that context, except to say that even with that, as much support might be there or might be to come in that unique individual way so that that person does not leave that situation feeling inferior either as a result of being the sick or the well child who can't help the sick, the infirmed, the distressed. It probably, though, will come back to how you take the situation as with reframing it and identifying the real resource or strength as resource that comes from that. And we don't want to celebrate necessarily 
illness and sickness, but we do want to celebrate resiliency. And more than an ideal, there is the realistic, the practical, the pragmatic that dictates probably none of us, again, are excused from that type of challenge, whether it's during childhood or at any other stage of our life. Those are fairly normal, again, what is normal, circumstances. But the one thing that I possibly can say is that if one looks, can look, can examine, can find the right opportunity to step back and spend some time looking at themselves, first introspectively, but also with the aid of others to identify the positives or at least attempt to frame such within the hope of resource or strength, that they're going to find it. I would want to fix all problems. (laughs) I don't know that that makes me anything in the way of sick, but it is unrealistic. And if I spend my entire life measuring my worth or value by not fixing problems in others, it's my job, by the way, why I believe partly, if not in great measure or maybe entirely, why I've chosen this profession. But I can't measure my strength by my ability to change that circumstance. Schizoaffective disorder is chronic and long-term, as are some of the circumstances, situations that individuals not only grew up with but encounter in life. There's no ready-made fix. There's no one that can fix it. But what we can do is help the individual who is possibly, as with Dale, feeling the burden, maybe more intensely, or maybe we should just even say the author, Tanya, who seems herself to be continuing to process what she could or couldn't have done, her lament that she could not make this ideal or perfect for her children. We have to understand nothing is going to be perfect or ideal. And though we would want it to be normal, the normal, unfortunately, is more along the lines of this case example, if I could offer it as such, or this testimony of Tanya Frank and her family. What really matters the most is though someone who cares enough to become invested and to be there as the individual who has been placed in that position of excess responsibility, possibly irrational, nobody could save or fix it, guilt and still desiring to, A bit as with trauma, and the article mentions that, traumatized by the circumstance. That there is a strength, if nothing more than they are yet here and survived. And still looking for that resource. And rather than seeing it as what they haven't done, (laughs) begin to reframe it or frame it as what they have been able to do. And being realistic, continuing 
in that vein of being realistic, the resources that may indeed be there, whether they're community-based, extended family, nuclear family, extended family, but asking for help when it's needed and realizing that maybe the best that we can do, any of us, is not fix it, but be there and go through it together and continue to remind one another we've done the best we can and should there be some things that we didn't do so well and would like to make some correction on within, again, that scope of realistic Let's make those adjustments. But the worst thing that we could do is allow somebody to carry the burden of either guilt or responsibility for something that they really didn't create and they can't remediate or fix. But it was just unfortunate that it happened at a time in their life when they weren't able to, as an adult might, children can't, don't, Understand, because the ability psychologically to step outside of yourself and to appraise the situation, circumstances, as well as yourself objectively, accurately, is just, just not there. Children assume way too much responsibility for way too many things. That is the negative about childhood. Should it not be that the parent realize it? And I believe even so in this article, again, the author's bit of lament, or at least still trying to sort out, did she or didn't she do the right thing by including Dale as a solution? And now, as adults, we can look at that and maybe see it, Now, even as the author who was in the parental role then as the adult, maybe still could not see it, we do have a little bit better advantage and we have the ability to look back retrospectively. But if the change could take place now to prevent something like that, too much burden, too much responsibility, being unrealistic, Accepting too much responsibility for remediation or fixing, sharing that more in a community sort of way, extended family sort of way, to help that identified patient or that person that has the primary presenting sort of problem or concern that has been the ground zero for a lot of this type of conversation or thought sentiment, emotion, as it has impacted every individual in the family constellation, then let's not carry that forward. Let's establish the best lens to look at that through, look at yourself through, and then know your limits, know your boundaries. Know what's within your control, what is beyond your control, And don't adopt irrational guilt or blame for something that you really had nothing to do with. And more than that is probably more normal than the notion that families are idealistically so able to escape that. 
I think that may be a bit of the flavor too of the article. All respect due to the author. But she sort of seems to be looking at this through that lens of what if? And you can't because it isn't. And if the what if is calibrated to an unrealistic or idealistic notion, perfection even, the simplistic view of, well, if it had just gone this way, everybody would have turned out so much better, you don't know that. And we'll never get to know that because that's not reality. That's resilience. That's internal strength. That's understanding how to overcome by not crushing, being crushed, or crushing yourself under the burden, the weight of trying to be something that just can't be. And it isn't just it is what it is. But you have to accept it is what it is before you begin to really understand what input, what influence you may have in terms of present and future. But certainly, don't allow that to identify you or be any more of a burden moving forward as much as it has been in the past. And should you feel like a failure, that you could have done more, should have done more, unrealistically so, irrationally so, stop it. So that you can then get on with your life. And whatever you might have missed, the good news with developmental theory is... Once the resource, the situation aligns such that the resource can be applied, the developmental continuum that we go down, the progression, can start again. It's not a forever thing. You may be arrested, but it doesn't mean that it can't happen unless you deny it. Deny yourself of it. And that's my job, is to try to frame it that way. I can offer assistance. The author was quite adept at quoting and having done her own research and garnering the statistics. We can use the facts. But the facts really are just facts until you apply truth to it. And the narrative we want to be as objective accurate, empirical, empirically sound as we can make it. But I'm sure in the end, nobody can accept responsibility for a schizoaffective brother. And their great desire, even if it is of the best intentions, that it wouldn't be, or to fix it all. And when you can't, to blame yourself. Or in this case, as with... My messaging today, example, in context of my messaging today, you couldn't. But you can make sure that you don't contaminate yourself, your f- present and future self, your present and future life, with that kind of shadow of failure. Hopefully, <laughs> that's what good psychological counseling is about. Offering that perspective, that lens. Should you want, you can reach out to me. 304-523-WORD, 
drmdclay at thewordhouse.com. Thewordhouse.com, and you can find this on Facebook and YouTube at The Word House. Hopefully, you will come back for our next podcast of Word with Dr. Michael David Clay. We drop these weekly. But this is all part of that intention. Even if I don't get a chance to speak with you directly in any sort of individual, personalized sort of dimension, hopefully you'll take this somewhat personally, at least to the extent that I might be able to give you a good reference point to begin. And then you can follow up, should you need it, with others who might be able to be more immediately in that individual way available to you. Want to remind you that Psychology Today also has a great directory of vetted providers. And uh, should you be looking for someone who might be more geographically available, you can certainly go there and uh, I am sure you will find someone that you can reach out to and begin your journey, <laughs> so to speak. But let's not forget, though, we'll drop our next podcast of Word in approximately a week. And until we get a chance to do that, and hopefully you will come back until we get a chance to meet again. I want to wish you the best of not only good mind health, mental health, but just good health and a good life that goes along with it. Thanks.